Got my partner in crime here this morning with me. We are, uh, Scott and I are excited to share with you some things that happened on our trip to Togo. Um, I want you to know that I have uh, a newfound uh, love and respect for my brother Scott. I've, I've always loved him, but um, I love him even more now that I've served alongside of him. He sent me this uh, uh, scripture this morning, and I thought it was very appropriate. Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 25, it says, Like cold water to a weary soul is good news from a distant land. That's what we're going to bring you today, good news from a distant land, uh, some things that happened to us. Uh, we were singing that last song, Where He Leads, I'll Follow. Several years ago, Paul and I were at a, um, a spiritual retreat of sorts, and um, I had just gotten involved with this work, and they were letting me uh, do a little power, uh, PowerPoint presentation about the work I was doing in, in Africa, mostly in Ghana at that time. And uh, I'd been talking about, you know, going where I thought God was leading me. And one of the gentlemen uh, had recently retired, and he'd asked us to pray for him earlier in the week that, that God would use him, that he would be useful in his retirement, that God would, um, you know, give him a niche where he could serve the Lord. And, and then I began to talk a lot about Africa, and at the end of the week, he got up and he says, uh, I, I need to confess. He said, I, I've been praying that God would use me, God would use me, but he said, please, God, don't send me to Africa. I don't want to go to Africa. Well, sometimes we sing better than we, we actually live. We sing anywhere with Jesus, I will safely go, and it's, it's easy to sing that. Sometimes maybe it's not as easy to actually go and to live. Um, Scott and I left and we went to, to Togo. Uh, some of you may not even know where Togo is. Uh, this is the continent of Africa. Uh, see if you can, um, where's my little pointer? There's my little red pointer. This is West Africa here. This is the area that we uh, are going to. And we'll zoom in a little bit more here. Uh, here's Ghana, and Togo is a little bitty skinny country right over here to the east of Ghana. Most of the work I did in the early days was in Ghana in 2016. I made my first trek into Togo. We went uh, only for about a week, and we uh, spent our time there in Togo. We were working in a region. Uh, here's a little bit sooner uh, a closer map. Uh, the southeast part of, of Ghana is where I've done most of my work um, until the last three years. This is called the Volta Lake. This is, was the largest man-made lake in the whole world uh, up until a couple of years ago, and I think China uh, has, has built one um, a little bit larger than this. But a lot of fishing, a lot of revenue happens with the people there. But our brothers in southeast Ghana, they had relatives and people that they knew in Togo. They began to take us over into Togo. Unlike the work in Ghana that was established by a friend of mine back in 1996, um, 
the Christians there in Ghana, they're the ones who said, we need to take the gospel into Togo. We've got family in Togo. We've got people that we know. We've got friends right across the border. Uh, we speak the same language, uh, the language of Ewe. So they said, we need to do that. So we just have kind of come alongside of what our brothers there in Ghana have been doing, which is a beautiful thing because it's it's them leading us, and we're just kind of coming alongside of them and, and working there. Um, Togo, this is the, um, the country of Togo. The capital city is Lome. That's where we flew into. And there's a main road that goes right through the center of the country, and um, all the big trucks travel that, and uh, Scott can tell you we saw... Uh, quite a few accidents along the way there. We've got a Bible college in a town called Atakpame, Atakpame right here, where we train uh, Bible preachers. There's also a Bible college right down here northwest of Lome in a little town called Nuepe, and we've got about 15 guys that are, were, are training to preach there. Um, several years ago, when we went up into um, this area right here, it's called Garankuka. And uh, I was telling Scott, I, I never could remember the name of this area until I began to think of the old song, Barracuda. You remember that song from a group called Heart? Um, so I began to play this in my mind, and then when we get to the Garankuka, the Barracuda, I would say Garankuka. So that's how I remember here. But um, we were only going to spend about half a day because we had a seven-day visa to go to Togo, and then we had to cross the border to get back into Ghana. So on our way um, out of Togo back into Ghana, we were going to stop in this area called Garankuka. They thought that it might be some fertile ground there. Wow, was that an understatement. We, we got there just before lunchtime. We were going to spend just a couple of hours uh, preaching the gospel, seeing what would happen, and then we had to, to, to get across and cross the border before midnight. Well, we started preaching and, uh, you know, we, we all went our different places. We started preaching. This is about 2018 or 19. I can't remember. And we started preaching, and we started baptizing, and we, started, and we kept baptizing and baptizing. We baptized literally about six or 700 people in one afternoon, and we got to the point where we, we said, you know, we've, we've got to leave. It's getting dark. And we, we got to the border right before midnight, and I think they actually... Um, stamped our passports several minutes late, but they acted like we got there on time. But that was, um, that's kind of how this, this work all began in an area uh, in Garankuka where we just started reaching hundreds, and now we've reached thousands in this area. This was the team that we took uh, this year, minus one lady. She's not in the picture, a lady from East Texas. Uh, the guy there in the middle in the, in the white, he and his wife are wearing the same uh, outfit. That's my, my good buddy, Doc Turk. He and his wife, Patsy, uh, live in, in Kilgore, Texas. He heads up the mission now. Um, he's kind of taking it over from the guy who started it. Um, but Doc works tirelessly every day, day in, day out, working with our preachers and the, and the work that's, that's happening there. Um, when we got off the plane, um, I introduced Scott to uh, two of the guys that I've been working with for uh, about nine years. The guy in the middle is John Morkley. Uh, he is uh, the brainchild behind much of what 
uh, we are doing. Um, he uh, and, and Mac Thompson started uh, what we call the Ghana Mission Clinic several years ago. Um, they wanted to uh, also reach people with uh, their physical problems. We've been preaching the gospel for years, but they wanted to start a mission clinic, and we knew that if we could get that started, that the government had promised to come in and, and to, to pick up the, uh, you know, paying for the, the doctors and the nurses, the personnel, and it would sort of, you know, fund itself. Um, they took several years dragging their heels. They had an election, a new government came in, and so some of that got bogged down, and it was really uh, a drain on our resources, but um, God allowed it to, to continue on, and, um, and now it's doing great. Mac Thompson, the guy on the far left, um, he runs the clinic. Can we turn some lights off? Will that help? Can you guys see? Uh, Scott's the one on the far right. I don't know if you guys know that. I wanted to point that out to you. But maybe that'll help a little bit. Yeah. That's getting better all the time. So, um, as part of the, uh, the work now that they're, they're doing with the mission clinic, some of the ground there in, in the southern part of Ghana has gotten very hard. Um, so many different churches have come in. So many different denominations are, are present. And a lot of people have heard. They've heard the good news. They've heard it, and, and, and they don't you know, want to hear it again anymore. And so they're trying to look at different ways to maybe reach some of the people. And so that's where the, the clinic has come in. This was the first time that I've ever, ever been a part of the medical mission side of things. And so what we're doing here is a medical mission where everybody that comes in and sees the doctors and the nurses, we give them an opportunity. It's not a have to, but as they're waiting to see the doctors and nurses or after they have already seen them, we stand there and we, um, we sit there with them and we study. And so you can see... Um, the bishop, the guy here in the front is Johnny Coleman. He's a preacher in, in northeast Texas at Orr City. And uh, as I told you last week, uh, Scott was just known as the bishop, the elder or the bishop. That's, that's what they called him. So he's, he's studying. And um, one of the guys that we, uh, that we took, he brought his nephew with him. He was 14 years old. And uh, he mostly just played with the kids, played soccer, hung out with the children, and they just flocked to him. And as you can see here, he's teaching them something very important. It's called rock, papers, and scissors. So um, um, I, I think children all over the planet need to know rock, papers, and scissors. There's a lot of conflict that could be resolved if we just, if we just learned rock, papers, and scissors. Am I right? So, uh, so Ryan is teaching them that. Um, and, and they just loved him. They loved him. And so this is what happens when you share the gospel with people, and they have open hearts, receptive hearts, and the Holy Spirit um, works on them. They wind up being baptized into Christ. The, the guy on the left there, his name is Jerry Love, and he is the, uh, the seamstress, seam, the tailor, I guess a man would be a tailor, uh, he's the guy that made the shirt that I'm wearing this morning. Uh, he, he's a tailor by trade, and he and his wife make dresses and shirts. And um, he made me one that looks something like the one that Scott's wearing. Um, but when I, when I got into it a couple of years ago, uh, I could not get out of it. I mean, I panicked. I thought I was going to have to cut the thing off because I, there was no stretch to it. So I said, Jerry, next time make me one that has buttons 
And so uh, he made me this shirt, and, uh, and I thank him for that. So now I'm going to invite our bishop to come up and share some things on his heart and some things that happened while he was there with me. Thanks, Rodney. Yeah, Rodney did a great job. He's, he's kind to me, saying nice things. Um, okay, kids were present everywhere we went. They were very eager to play, like we saw on the picture with Ryan doing the rock, paper, scissors. I tried to think of every hand game, every game I could come up with, and they loved every one of them. Uh, on our first full day, we went to that medical mission that he was talking about, and as soon as we got there, they said, hey, there's a woman that wants to study the gospel. And so we went, and, and right in the the front doorway of her house, she had a little shade covering there. She's flocked with kids. I'm not sure. We didn't know if they were all hers or not, but could have been. But anyhow, we studied the gospel. It was Rodney who was, was leading the study, and I just uh, learned and listened what was going on, you know, what was you know, what, what they, he told me we were going to share the gospel, but I, I was learning as I was going what that meant really and how, to the, what extent they taught and such, but uh, went very well. Uh, that woman uh, was baptized and also a lady that was walking by. Uh, she was interested. She kept listening and looking and, and we were, you know, beckoning her over, come on, listen. And and she she was baptized also at the same time. And here, uh, the first Sunday we were in in to or in Ghana, this was our, what third day of our trip. Uh, Rodney was asked to preach at a large con large congregation that they had established and built a building for in Ghana. And uh, that's Philip is translating. You know everything that we preach. They were. Real happy to have us preach, but everything that we preached had to be translated into whatever tongue they had. There were several of you know that were, were needed, but uh, Philip is a preacher in a large congregation of his own. He's he's advanced, you know, in in preaching and learning, and he's very knowledgeable, very very intelligent guy. I had many talks with him. Really enjoyed him. He he went with me most of the time. And here they have a preaching school. Uh, they were uh, having a graduation that that day, a ceremony. I think there was like fourteen uh, graduates. Maybe twelve of them were present. One was sick. Something I forget the details of that. But um, that was a really cool thing. Um, uh, those people have worked for a couple of years and got a degree in in uh, preaching. I, I think some of them even get a four year degree and such. So. They have really good preaching schools set up to help with the much work. You know, we 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 have 1,800 conversions during the time we were there, and that's not uncommon for the trips that they make. They make three trips a year, so a lot of Christians needs a lot of preachers. You know, and so they they're working on all that. It's constant effort. Okay, and here's a, a example of Rodney preaching to a village. You see. They wanted to meet under the bow bow tree, okay? Generally, every village had a large tree with good shade that was a common meeting place that there was no grass. It was wore down. You know, they'd spend a lot of time walking around under there. And uh, you can see most places there was a lot of people that gathered around, and, and they did that here. And you see, I wanted to show you this picture because 
Rodney's preaching in English, and the last guy's preaching in their language, but it took two guys in between to get to that language. And you'd think, well, that, that can't be effective. But on the contrary, those preachers are very good, and they're very passionate, and they, they teach, and they, they do a great job, you know, of, of conveying the message and uh, with, with uh, conviction, you know. And, and so there many people were baptized at this location. And this is one of our prettiest uh, baptismal sites. A lot of moving water, even a little white water you see in the in the uh, background there. Okay, uh, in lots of places we went to baptize. We we couldn't walk to the wa- the water to baptize like we did in that previous picture. We had to rent vans and take people to the places to be baptized. And every seat was valuable, and so generally I stayed back, and the children, you know, stayed back as well, and and so they loved to sing, and when prompted, you know, they're pretty quiet and and uh, uh, you know respectful and such until you try to you know go them along. So I got them singing, and and then I learned I turned the thing in selfie mode, and so you could get a picture of them as they're. You know, I'm holding the, the camera in front of me, you know, and they're just loving to watch themselves on video. And and uh, then I turned it on them and took a picture. Uh, this uh, is indicative. Uh, when each time we'd go to a village, there was generally a chief involved, okay, that had been uh, asked if we could come and talk. So I think this is a really key part of the effectiveness of the spread of the gospel there was this man of peace principle that Jesus taught his disciples, you know, find someone that is interested in the gospel and go to them. And so I think that was done here quite often. And, and generally along that line, eventually the, the priest, the, the chief rather would be announced. And he was, he was kind of in charge of gathering these people together. And so I got a couple of pictures with the chiefs and and this congregation or village here was very responsive as well. They were very uh, welcoming to the gospel. Uh, this is a fellow that was baptized. Um, he's, uh, he looks pretty serious, but he was very, very joyful, smiling ear to ear. And we take the picture and he, he really stiffened up. But, of course, I was very joyful. I smiled a bunch. I was real happy about what was going on. I went down to the river with them at this time and because um, it was within walking distance. There's a you know a bunch of people waiting. So you wonder, like, how do you baptize like that many people? Well, the the local preachers, you know, they were the ones that did the baptizing because they could speak in their language, of course. And and so they two of the preachers would get down in the water and they'd all kind of form up. Sometimes it was men and women split, but they would just kind of go down there one at a time, take their turn and and be baptized in the water. As long as they, you know, most of the water that we baptized in was about thigh deep, you know, or maybe even knee deep. They, they could just, you know, sit on the ground or whatever, and then and then be laid back into the water to be sub, submersed there. All right, here's a village I uh, was fortunate to share the gospel with, and. The interpreters, I say, were excellent. This was one of the interpreters when I was in the northern part of Togo. His name was Mike. He did a really, really good job. Um, this particular village, um, 
again, the chief is the fellow in the white there, and they were uh, really, really responsive. I believe there was like 66 people uh, that were baptized in this group, and uh, the, the chief, he even got up at the end, he said, well, all my village has believed. He said, he said my father died, and, and now you're my father because you taught this great message to us, and we all believe, so... Back to my brother. I do want to say, though, in closing, that the focus of this work was sharing the gospel. Sharing the gospel. It's amazing how receptive the people of Togo are. Um, that's not true in a lot of places in our world. Um, and it's not true in every place in Africa. But there are still pockets of places in Africa where the people are so open, they're so hospitable, and they're, and they're so very receptive uh, to hearing the gospel. Um, I've always questioned our guys um, that I'm working with, when, when, you, when you preach and 55, 60, 70 people go to be baptized, you know, I always stop and say, do they understand what we're saying? Do they, do they really get what is happening here? Because I don't want people just to go to the water and get dunked, you know? I mean, I, I want them to really be making a commitment. And I found myself saying that more and more every time I was preaching. This is a serious commitment. This is a lifelong commitment that you're making to follow Jesus Christ. And I would tell them that we would sing a song back where, I, where I'm from. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. And I would say that everywhere I would go, almost trying to dissuade people. You know what I'm saying? I want them to know for sure that this is a commitment. And, and without fail, my interpreters say, uh, they, there is no way that you could get them into the water uh, if they didn't believe this. There is no way that they would, they would just do this just because you're here. He said, we are a pretty... Uh, proud people, and at times we can be obstinate. And he said, "There is no way that they would just do this if they if they weren't convicted of it." So it may, that makes me feel so much better, you know, knowing that, that 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 is the kind of people that they are. This is just one of the villages where I went, and just a small group of people that they wanted us to to, to share the gospel with, really sort of a family. And this uh, young woman was, was taking these pods, and she would just strip both sides of it, crack it, and open that thing up, and it was filled with this yellow kind of powdery stuff and had about five or six different seeds in it. And they, they crush and grind those seeds up, and they use all of this to make, make a soup. And so uh, I tried my hand at, uh, at that while we were talking, and I wasn't nearly as good at it as, as she was. Um, after I got through... Several of them had, had been baptized uh, previously, and they wanted to know, can somebody be baptized again? And so that's what this discussion is all about. Uh, the guy in the blue shirt there, his name is Luke. Uh, I've worked with him for several years. This young lady could read French um, just really, really well. And so we opened up a French Bible, and we um, uh, went to Acts chapter 19, where uh, John had some disciples who had been baptized, but they had not yet received the Holy Spirit, didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. And so there was that discussion about 
them being baptized again, and we were trying to see if maybe this might be uh, applicable in their situation. Uh, but she was a wonderful reader, and uh, they, they finally went and were baptized. This is one of those vans that Scott was telling you about. Um, it's about a 15-passenger van, and we would typically put um, anywhere from 35 to 50 people in and on that. Um, and so we'd have all the guys to get up top and so that the, the ladies could get down below. Um, but this was just village after village after village. You would see this scene of, of these uh, vans going to baptize people. Uh, this is one of those places where we baptized about 45 or 50 people and um, went down to this river. Uh, uh, Joshua is, is his name, the, the um, young man who's... Um, from the Kakumba tribe, and so he's there. Um, it, it's really one of the coolest things I've ever seen where instead of just person by person by person, he would have them all confess the name of Jesus at the same time. There'd be about 50 people, and he would say, <clears throat> do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? And, and they would say yes, and he would say, I want you to confess the name of Jesus, and he would tell them what to say, and, and, and so there's like 50 or 60 people saying this simultaneously, and then he would take them one by one down into the water. Uh, one of the coolest, coolest things I've ever seen. And then there they are, post-baptism. Um, I had several videos, and I, I really want you to see, if anybody is interested, Scott has got a ton more pictures and videos. I've got a ton more pictures and videos. No way we could show all of that to you today. But um, if anybody is interested, please let me know, let Scott know. We'll work out a time, maybe, maybe steal some time on Wednesday night to, to just share with you some more and show you some more pictures, even some of our videos. But uh, all these people started singing and, and clapping after the baptism. It was phenomenal. I established a church here, I think on a, maybe a Thursday or a Friday. I'm preaching. There's this really neat canopy there that we're that we're talking under, and I'm, I'm sharing the gospel. People are, you know, just are fascinated with, with the word. There's a lot of children here. Uh, Togo, the, the median age in the country of Togo is 19, about 19.3 or 19.4 years old. I think somewhere between 60 and 70% of the population of Togo is under the age of 18. So... Children abound everywhere, and the beautiful thing, at least in my mind, is that when we are baptizing these moms and these dads, we're establishing these churches, there are now going to be generations of children who are raised up hearing the name of Jesus. They're going to be raised up going to church, seeing their parents sing praises to God, not um, worshiping idols, and they're going to hear the name of Jesus, and that that just excites me beyond all belief. Um, some people, you know, uh, even uh, in Togo, as happens here in the States, begin to uh, get a little sleepy when I preach. Um, some of you, um, maybe this is your best nap time on Sundays, I don't know. But um, it even happens there, but not just the people. I can even put the animals to sleep um, <laughs> when I'm preaching. Um, I looked over, and there were these two dogs um, this is the only breed of dog in Togo. Um, 
there's one breed of dog. I've never seen another dog. They all look exactly like this. Maybe a few different color variations, but, but uh, even the animals can sleep while I'm preaching. After we preached there, we went and we had to find water. And um, Scott said, sometimes you can't get a van to where you're going. So I always say, how far is the water? And they always say, oh, it's just over there. I've been tricked a couple of times, and I walk, and I walk, and I walk, and I sweat, and I walk, and I said, wait a minute, you said the water was just over there, and they say, it is, it's just over there, and we walk, and we walk, and we walk, so now I, I, I sort of have a little, a different metric, I say, where's the water from here, oh, it's just over there, I said, in the United States, how would you say that? Would it be like a mile or five miles? Because I know what over there means now. I say, oh, no, it's just over there. Okay, so sometimes I trust them. This water was just over there, and we walked and we walked. And I've still got chiggers that I'm trying to, to get rid of. But we came upon these rocks that were, you know, it was just all of a sudden, boom, these, these rocks. And this is a, just a, it's not a spring. It's just a gathering pool, a low a low spot in the rocks that during the rainy season, the water gathers here. And they told us this was their drinking water. This was their only source of, of drinking water that they had. And so Luke, he's the guy waiting in there to see if it's going to be deep enough. And um, they said um, we could use it. If we were going to baptize people, and all these people uh, agreed, most of them were, were being baptized into Christ, they said, um, we'll, we'll use our drinking water for that purpose. And so Luke is, is talking to them, exhorting them, uh, taking their confession, and, uh, and then he gets in and he just starts, starts baptizing. He and the guy next to him, uh, they just had, had two, two going. We baptized, I don't know, 40, maybe 40 people, and so they're just baptizing one right after the other. It's, it's really a cool sight. There in the bottom, if you can see this, this is uh, one of those proclaimers that I was telling you about. I think we took 50. We uh, established 48 congregations, and everywhere where we established a church, uh, we tried to leave one of these proclaimers that would share the gospel in their own language. I want to, I want to read this to you. This is, what, uh, this is what we did. We took care of about 700 patients during the medical outreach portion that, that we talked about, we planted 48 new churches, 48 new churches that have been started. We encouraged over 4,000 disciples, those that were already Christians, um, about 4,000 of those. We shared the gospel. I'm not sure who, who counted all of these. I think we sort of guesstimated the number of people that each village had. But it's estimated that we shared the gospel with over 11,800 people in two weeks. And then the kingdom was expanded with 1,813 souls. Over 1,800 people baptized into Christ. Every time we established a church, we tried to leave him a proclaimer. I wish I could have gotten this lady's expression when, I first, uh, when she first heard this New Testament being read, being spoken in her own language. Her eyes just lit up, and I was like, oh, I've got to get a picture. By the time I, I, I got my iPad out, uh, she was just listening, and, listening intently. But 
Um, it's, it's the first time many of them have ever heard the gospel in their own language. I think I have found an area, a pocket, where we have um, barely scraped the ground um, in a place called Chamba, where Luke now lives. There may be a, a, a people there who do not have the, the, the Bible in their own language, and I'm, I'm going to talk with James Litzy about this because that's a passion that he has to try to take... Uh, the gospel to, to unreached peoples and, and to try to get the, the Bible in their language. I think the Chamba tribe does not have the, the Bible in their language. I'm trying to verify that, but, but as far as I can tell, that, that is true, so we may be doing some work in that area. But this is where she's listening to the Bible. It was just uh, incredible. These are some of my new friends now. Um, they love, as Scott said, they love to see themselves on video, or I, I just take a picture and then I'll turn it around and show it to them, and they just, they just get so tickled when they see their own face, and I'll, and I'll say, who is that? Who is that? And they're, they'll point, that's like, that's me. I, I'm the one on the far right. I don't know if you can tell that, um, but that's me um, right there. Yeah, that's me, but these are my new friends, um, and I, I just... I just stop and think, all of these little kids are going to grow up hearing the name of Jesus. It's not going to be uncommon to them. It's going, they're going to see their parents grow in the faith and, and the knowledge of Jesus, and they're going to grow up, and they're going to be baptized. We, they all wanted to be baptized, but we said, no, no, you're, you know, you're too little, too young. We'll, we'll keep growing, keep teaching you. We always have the opportunity to buy um, motorcycles for our preachers. Some of these guys, one of the guys I was telling you about, Joshua, there are 38 different churches in the Garankuka area uh, that he works with. 38. I said, how can one man, you know, be in 38 churches? And he says, well, I can't, but I've, I'm training leaders. I train leaders everywhere I go. So they're in the process of, of, of raising up new leaders. And, and some of those guys will go on to be preachers. Some of them will just be church leaders that can, can lead a Bible study and, and help conduct church services. But um, there's one of the brand new motorbikes that we bought. Still got the plastic on the seat. Um, uh, some individuals in this congregation uh, gave me some money to take. And, and some of that money was, was helped uh, was used to help purchase this motorcycle so that our, our preachers can get from village to village. This is one of the church buildings. This is sort of uh, symbolic of a lot of the churches that we helped uh, to construct. That doesn't look like much to you, but that is a church building uh, for a lot of the, of the people in the Garankuka area. We, we, we start blocking it up, and then if, if they want to continue on and block some of that up as, as time goes on and as they have funds to do that, then they can do that. Um, this is a place called Manimaku, um, and again, I remember that through a song. Um, I won't sing that to you this morning, but Manimaku is an area where when the gospel was preached a couple of years ago, uh, literally the whole village came to Christ. They had over 200 baptisms. You talk about instant church. They go from not having a church in that village to now um, needing um, a place to gather. And so this is a building that several individuals helped to fund, and uh, this is the inside of it. Uh, those are just some chairs that are kind of sp spread around because we were there meeting. But um, 
That's where they meet, and it's already overflowing, just jam-packed. About 230, 240 people meet there uh, every Sunday. We, we have a, a vast need. We're, we're way behind in our construction process of trying to, to build these buildings. Uh, this is another building right here that's uh, built down in the Lome area, and uh, we, we stopped and got to see a brand-new area where they're trying to build uh, a church that will seat over 1,000 people. Lome is the capital uh, of, of Togo right there on the coast, and we're trying to make a big push, a big presence there to, to, to establish several large congregations that will be sort of a, a light to that whole area. Uh, this is a church that is a beautiful church. I think they spent about 25000 U.S. Um, helping to build that church. Uh, most of the churches that we need right now are in about the three to five thousand dollar range. Uh, you can build a meeting place for them for about three or five thousand dollars, and um, it just it blows my mind um, what we can do. A little to us goes a long way to those people. Um, <clears throat> this was our team, basically um, those of us from America joining the guys there. Um, these guys are pretty much mostly Ghanaian, several Togolese that are mixed in there. Uh, they are tireless in their efforts. Every day they get up with the kingdom on their mind. How do we reach lost people? How do we reach lost people for the kingdom of God? Many of them will leave their families for two, three weeks at a time. Uh, they'll leave Ghana and all of these churches that we just got through establishing, guys like Emmanuel and Philip and Gladstone, John, they will leave their families and they will go and live in Togo in these villages. Uh, many of them will have somebody take them in and they will sleep in those villages and then they will spend all day for several weeks gathering the Christians Sometimes early in the morning before they go to the farm, they'll gather those Christians and begin to teach them, teach them, teach them, disciple them, mentor them. And that's why the churches are growing. That's why they are, are strong. That's why when we establish a church of 30 or 40 people and we go back in six months or a year, that church is bigger. It's bigger because of their tireless, tireless work. Well, after the trip, when we were on our way home, um, the bishop was wanting to read his Bible, and uh, I looked over, and uh, he was struggling. He was struggling. The, the, the two weeks had taken its toll, and so I, I had to snap a little picture. I myself was wide awake. I mean, I was, you know, reading and, and, and studying and doing things, but I looked over, and the bishop was struggling. So, um, after a while, when uh, he was back among the living, I, I showed him this picture, and I said, uh, looks like somebody was taking a little nap. And he said, oh, no, brother. Oh, no. I was praying over the word. <laughs> he said, I would read a few verses, and then I would pray over it. I said, oh, is that what we're calling it now? <laughs> praying over the word? But... Uh, uh, that was a, a well-deserved rest there. Uh, he was reading from the book of Job and uh, praying and sleeping all at the same time. Well worth it. Why do we go to Togo? Why do we go to Ghana? There is no reason on God's green earth for me to be in Togo or, or Ghana. Uh, it's not a place I would go to vacation. 
There's not a lot of sights to see. There are, there are no animals there. There aren't any giraffes and elephants and hippos. They've got a couple of, of uh, reserves, I think, where maybe they have a few animals on. But other than that, all you see is a few chickens and goats and some sheep. You know, there's no reason uh, for me to be there except that the Word of God um, tells us that that's what we need to do, that there are people that, that need to hear. Uh, Jesus said there in Matthew, he said, all authority, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, because I have all authority, Jesus says, therefore, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and then teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. That's where our, our local brothers are, are so vital they use us as, as, as sort of a way to gather the people and, and to preach the gospel, to, to get a good crowd, but, but they are tireless in their efforts to go back and to teach them everything that God has commanded them. Jesus said it like this in the book of Mark. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And whoever believes and is baptized shall be saved. They will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. Um, sometimes we take that go into all the world and we say, well, I can't do that. I'm not cut out for that. And, and, and I grant you that not everybody is cut out. Not everybody needs to go to Africa or across, you know, the pond. But that word that Jesus says to them, go, that verb is literally... Uh, could be translated as you are going. It's a president indicative active verb that just literally means as you're going into all the world. Preach the gospel to people. Share. Share the good news with people. And you say, Rodney, what is the gospel? You know, Paul says in Romans 1.16, he says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. That's what the gospel has the power to do. The gospel has the power to save us. Well, what is that gospel? I want you to go home. Don't anybody go home today and say, I don't know what the gospel is. Paul writes this to the church in Corinth, chapter 15. Brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you. I want to remind you of the gospel, which you received and on which you've taken your stand. Look at this. By this gospel, you are saved. If something's got the power to save us, we, we need to know what that is. We need to know what the gospel is if it's going to have the power to save us. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you've believed in vain. If you're not going to hold on firmly to it, you've believed it in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance all right? Paul says, I received this gospel, this gospel that has the power to save us. And he says, I pass this on to you because it is so very important. It's vital. It's number one. Here's the gospel. That Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. What is the gospel? Well, the gospel is a lot of things. 
The gospel is everything that's good, all the good news that there is about Jesus. But the very heart, the very core of the gospel is that Jesus died, according to the scriptures. Everything that this Bible does and says was leading up to to Jesus. Uh, All the stuff that we've been reading and studying about in Exodus, all of that is about the coming of the Messiah. That Jesus died, according to this word, that he was buried and that he rose again. That's good news because you and I, as I said last week, you and I have, a, have two, two basic problems. We have a problem with sin and we have a problem with death. The first brought the second. Jesus fixed both of those with his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And that's why we go to Togo. That's why I go to Ghana. That's why you guys have have spent time in the Dominican Republic. That's why uh, you've done work in Haiti. Because people need to hear that Jesus came, that he died, that he was buried, but that the grave could not hold him, that he rose again. That's the good news. That's what has the power to save us. So how do we access that? How do we get that How do we get our sins removed? Well, we obey the gospel. How do you do that? Well, you too have got to be buried, died with Christ, and raised to walk in newness of life. It's really that simple. It's that powerful, but it's that simple. So, gone too long. I knew I would have. Scott took up most of the time. I apologize for that. But the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, that's the gospel. That's the good news. And that's what our world needs to hear, not just in Togo, but they need to hear it in Clarksville and New Albany and Sellersburg and here in Jeff. Everybody needs to know that Jesus died for them, that he was buried, but yet the grave couldn't hold him, that he came alive. God brought him back to life. And so now we, we have a way to get our sins removed. By being buried with Christ, by being baptized, to have our sins washed away. And this problem of death, we're still going to die unless Jesus returns. We're all going to die one day. But there's someone who's already been there and he's overcome it. And so there's no fear. We have no fear of death. For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Oh, I'm starting to get lathered up, guys. now, Now I'm tired of... Looking at pictures, I want to preach, but we'll save it. We'll save it for next week. Is there anybody here that needs to obey the gospel this morning? Anybody that, that needs to put Christ on in baptism? Let's do it today. Today's the day of salvation. Brothers, sisters, if we can pray, there's, I know there's a lot of people that are struggling. We have health concerns. If there's something that we need to lay at the feet of Jesus, cast our cares on him, let's do it right now. Let's pray about it. If somebody just wants to praise God, and say, this is what God's doing in my life. Share that with us so that we can rejoice with you.